Uh, good morning. I'll be doing the second reading. Um, my name's Trish, and I'll also be reading from Second Timothy, but this time chapter 3, verse 14 to 17. It's also on my Pew Bible on 1,250, or you can follow it up on the screen. Okay, so 2 Timothy, chapter 3, starting at verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's the word of the Lord. Thank you, Trish. We are working through this series. We're right in the middle, the third one out of five, words sent to teaching. Well, let's uh, pray once again as we reflect on these words. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a speaking God. You speak words that reveal to us who you are, your will, and your purpose for us. And so help us to receive your word, not as the words of men, but as it really is the words of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's true that we live in a world saturated with information. We've got information coming from all directions, opinions, advice, and it seems like almost everyone has some advice on almost every single topic. We all have something to say. But you see, with so many voices out there, so many opinions, so much information coming from the radio and the TV and, and newspapers and the internet, who do you listen to ultimately? Do we listen to our parents because they're our parents? Do we listen to politicians because they're our leaders? Do you listen to your pastor just because he's your pastor? Who do you ultimately listen to? You see, when I was a kid, I heard many things, and I believed many things. I'm not sure if you were told this at all. But as a kid, I was told, if you sit too close to the TV, you'll end up wearing glasses. I still have 20-20 vision. So it's not true. We're told many things, but not everything's true. I was told as a kid, you swallow a watermelon seed and a watermelon will grow inside you. Never happened. Never happened. This is just a gut and probably fat, but not a watermelon. But we still use that to scare our kids. But it's not true. Uh, I will remember being told, don't pull out any grey hair, otherwise more grey hair will grow. At my age, if you start pulling out all my grey hair, I'll end up bald. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But you see, we hear information all the time. But how do you decipher what is true, what is not? What is wise, what is not? What is worth listening to and what is not? Now, of course, they were just old wives' tales, and it doesn't matter if you believe it or not. It's quite harmless. But not everything we hear and believe is harmless, especially when it comes to the big questions of life, such as, what are we to believe about humanity? 
if we are to believe that we are just like what the science books teach us, that we're highly evolved animals and no different to the animal kingdom, what will end up happening is that you'll treat humans differently to ones who believe that there is an inherent dignity in being a human being. Or what are we to believe to be our purpose in life? If we live believing that my life is about me, about finding satisfaction and fulfilment and happiness, the stuff of pop psychology or Women's Weekly, then, then you'll end up living very differently to one who believes that there is a greater purpose and a greater person that we should be living for. Or if the information we get and what we end up believing about death and what happens after death, if we believe that we'll just rot away in the ground and be eaten by worms and just disappear forever, you'll end up living very differently to one who believes that there will be a day of reckoning. And so with so much information that we hear, so many voices, so many opinions and advice, how do you decipher who do you ultimately listen to? See, if we choose to listen to only, like what we read in the first reading, if we choose to only listen to what our itching ears want to hear, that is, I don't want to listen to anything that makes me uncomfortable, that challenges me, that makes me change my life. I just want to only listen to what makes me feel good, you know, pop psychology or, uh, psychology or platitudes or just wishful thinking then it's in fact extremely dangerous if we listen to information like that and believe it because it is ultimately about our eternal destiny. This coming Tuesday, in a few days' time, I'll have to conduct a funeral here. I'm not sure whether you've been to a funeral where what is spoken is just littered with the opinions of men and women. And what you have as the flavour of the funeral is just wishful thinking it is just spoken to make it more comfortable and bearable for those who remain but it's just wishful thinking about the deceased don't you want not just at those moments at funerals but all the time not only mere opinions not wishful thinking but the truth the truth about what are we to believe about us why are we here our existence, what are we to believe about gender? Are there many, many genders? Can we get to, do we get to pick? Or is it determined? What are we to believe about our work and our purpose in life? What are we to believe about life after death? You see, if we rely only on the opinions of men and women and rely only on what we find and search up Google, we end up staking our lives on the opinions of people. But let's just say there is a voice outside of us, a voice far above us, a voice that comes to us from outside our existence that speaks to us. Imagine that there is a God who speaks truth all the time. Well, that's what we believe because there is such a voice. The words of God spoken to us, and they are words we can stake our lives upon. You see, it's not just what you say and what I say or what you think and what I say and what I think, but what God says. And that's exactly what we have here.
God has indeed spoken. He has spoken his words to us and it's recorded down to us and for us in Scripture. The Old and the New Testament, the 66 books, they are God's words to us. And it is why as a church, all that we believe, all that we do, how we are shaped, how we are encouraged, how we are motivated, is all grounded in word-centered teaching. And so when we meet here at church every Sunday, when our youth group meets Friday nights, when we meet in our growth groups in the homes during the week, when the kids are now meeting in Creation Kids Church, we are there to not listen to the opinions of men and women. You can find that anywhere. We are here to listen to God himself speak. And that is why, as a church, we uphold the word of God as the ultimate authority in life and doctrine. For you see, God's word, it changes lives. It brings life. It transforms life. And that's why we're grounded in word-centered teaching. All that we do as a church, grounded in the word of God. Because you see, there is, they are nothing less than God's word to us. And here in this passage, let me encourage you to keep your Bibles open. Here in this passage, the Bible is described as God breathed, breathed out by God, inspired by God. It's not as though the biblical authors were simply recording down what God dictated to them, but God used the biblical authors in their personalities, in history, in their own context, to tell us what God has to say, to tell us from beginning to end, from the laments of the Psalms to the declaration of the prophets, from the stories of the forefathers to the evangelism of the apostles, from the prophecies of the Old Testament, all finding its fulfillment in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. From the pits of hell to the glories of heaven, God tells us all of that. And that's why we read here, look at verse 16 of chapter 3. What do we read? Some scripture is God-breathed. Is that what you find in your Bible? A bit of scripture is God-breathed? Some translations, do you have that? No. What we find in all translations, all scripture is God-breathed. That is all. The whole lot breathed by God, inspired by God for us. Which means you can't read the Bible and pick and choose. It's not like, I like the bit about Jesus speaking about love and meekness, but not the bit when he talks about judgment and hell. I'm just going to pick and choose. Or I like the bit about being how to be a good husband, but I don't really like the bit about what it means to be a good wife. I, I pick and choose. Or I like the bit about how God forgives us, but I don't really like the bit where he commands that I go on forgiving too. I pick and choose. Or I don't like the bit, or I like the bit where God tells me that I'm made in his image. But I don't like the bit where God talks about his design for human sexuality. Or I like the bit about living for God, but I don't like the bit about carrying the cross. You see, you can't pick and choose when you come to Scripture. How much of Scripture is God-breathed? All of it. All of it. You take it all or none of it at all. And so do you see 
And notice how if you've been coming to our church for a while or if you're a new visitor here, do you see how our church is shaped by what we believe about the Word of God? It is why when we meet as a church, we always have the Bible read. Always. We open up the Bible and we have it read because they are not mere words on a page. But to listen to the Bible read, as we've just heard this morning, is to hear God speaking to us. And it's also why, as a pattern in our church, particularly in our teaching and preaching, we are committed to expository preaching, that is, expounding, exposing what God's Word says to us. And that's why for the bulk of our year, the pattern in our church, if you've been here for a while, you'll probably pick this up already. The bulk of our year will work through books of the Bible, chapter by chapter and often verse by verse. It's because we want to understand what God has to say, not what we think, and we just pick and choose. And our pattern in our church is that we try to cover something from the different genres of Scripture, something from the Gospel each year, something from the Epistles each year, and something from the Old Testament each year. And we also do a topical series. It's because we want to teach the whole counsel of God, all of it. And it's also why, as a pattern in our church, when we listen to sermons, whoever is preaching, when we listen to sermons, we listen with our Bibles opened. We listen with our Bibles open. And here's the encouragement. If you have a Bible at home, make it a habit to bring it along and use your own Bibles, write notes in it. We want to keep our Bibles open because we're not just listening to someone ex explain the Scriptures. We want to see that this is what God is teaching me as well because I see it in the text. That is our pattern. And so do you see the Word of God, the Bible? We are shaped by it. We are grounded in it. And all of it, we don't pick and choose. Well, Scripture is God-breathed. But what is it for? What is its purpose? Well, we see here two big purposes. It is for our salvation. God's word brings life. It is a life-giving word. And the second one is that it is for our life. It changes our life. God's word is a life-changing word. A life-giving word and a life-changing word. And so firstly, it is for our salvation. You see, the only way we can truly know who God is, the only way we can know about the glories and majesty of heaven, the only way we can know about the fiery torment of hell, the only way we can really know real hope and the joy of salvation, the only way we can know about the eternal inheritance that is ours in Jesus Christ is because, not because I told you so, not because you told me so, but because God has told us so. They are grounded in what God has said. And that is why in this passage, the Apostle Paul, he was so encouraged to hear Timothy, how he was brought up. He was taught the scriptures as a kid, and he grew up holding on to, clinging on to those words of scripture that is able to make him wise for salvation. Do you see that in our text? Here we go. We're looking down. Verses 14 to 15. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learnt it, 
and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. You want salvation? You need to turn to the Word of God. You want heaven? You need to turn to the Word of God. It is why it's so important that our creche, our kids' church, our youth, our growth groups, our Sunday services, all grounded in Scripture. But not only here, also in the home. Do you notice why Paul was so glad? Timothy was taught in the home as he grew up. And so even this month, as we recall our memory text, what is it? Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 to 6. The, the other week, I wanted to check on my kids to see if they know our memory text. And they said, yeah, they, they've learned it years ago in kids' church. And they memorized it. They still remember it. And they also learned it from the Colin Buchanan song. But what does it say? Trust in the Lord with some of your heart, with all your heart. You see, it's able to make you wise for salvation. As a young kid, I want them all, all the little ones, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Why? Because we always think we're brighter than we are, more intelligent, more wise than we are. No, don't lean on your own understanding, but lean on him. And in all your ways, acknowledge who? Acknowledge him, and he'll make our path straight. You see, little children being taught that, imagine. Imagine if they remember that. They cling on to that. In all their ways, they're trusting God with all their hearts. And they remember that, and 50 years later, they still remember that text, and they live it out. It is able to make them wise for salvation. And that was Timothy's experience, and why Paul was so overjoyed by that. You see, without the word of God, there is no way for us to work out from observing the world how we can be saved. Without the scriptures to tell me that there is a God who loves me and made me in his image, I'll still be walking in the dark wondering if there is a God and believing that I'm here by accident that I'm just one of the other animals. How sad would that be? Without the scriptures to tell me that I'm a wretched sinner, that I, I have lived a life that has offended God Almighty, without the scriptures to tell me that, then I'll still be living this life thinking that I'm self-determining, that I'm a decent human being and that I've got no one to answer to. How dangerous would that be? Without the scriptures to tell me that the only way for a sinner to be saved is for a saviour to die, then I'll still be living this life thinking that my efforts, my charitable works my good deeds will get me to heaven. How hopeless will that be? Without the scriptures to tell me that God's forgiveness is full and complete, all the shame wiped clean, complete in Jesus Christ, then I'll live this life unable to cope with my past sins and regrets and shamed and burdened by my past. How paralyzing would that be? without the scriptures to assure me of eternal life and the kingdom of God to come, then I'll be believing that this life is all there is 
and I invest my life only in this life, only to find that I'll waste it away. How pathetic would that be? And without the scriptures to tell me that God has, in his kindness, adopted me into his heavenly family, with him as father, with Jesus as my older brother, with the spirit who indwells in me, then I'll be living not knowing to whom I belong. How lonely would that be? You see, all scripture is God-breathed and is breathed out for your salvation and for my salvation. It is a life-giving word. But second we see here, it is also breathed out for our life, to change our life. It's a life-changing word. See, how are we to live as disciples of Jesus, as children belonging to God Almighty? How are we to live as men and women, sons and daughters, fathers and mothers, brothers and sisters? How are we to live when we face loss and disappointments and setbacks and failures and defeat? How can you cope? How are we to live when we, when we experience pain and suffering and heartbreak and opposition and evil and wickedness? Well, that's where the word of God is so profitable. It is so useful. It is so beneficial. Have a look, verses 16 and 17 with me. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You want to live a good life? Where do you go? Not women's monthly or weekly or whatever it is. Not new idea or bad idea. Not the TV. Not Google. You go to the Word of God. You want to live a life where you do a lot of good works and you wonder how. Where do you go? You go to the Word of God. And so for those of us who believe this, for those of you who claim to be a Christian, the question then is, do you submit to the word of God? Because when we read the scriptures, it is always God teaching us. God is teaching us, you are to live a life of love, loving God, loving your neighbor, just as you've been loved. You are to live your life treating people with dignity, because all people are made in the image of God. And when we read the scriptures, it is God rebuking us. Always, it, it makes us uncomfortable. You can't go on hating. You can't go on being envious. You can't go on being selfish and proud. God rebukes us. He changes us. And it's also God correcting us. Our life, if it's lacking, it needs to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. I need to learn and grow in patience and self-control and being kind and gentle. The Word of God corrects me. And it also trains me. It trains me in all your anxieties in life. Learn to lean heavily on God. If you are suffering and you're experiencing hardships, you can remember the truth of what God teaches. Because suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character and character hope. It is never useless. God is training us. And so the word of God... Breathe out, it's for our salvation, a life-giving word. 
and it's for our life, for the transforming of our life, a life-changing word. It is profitable. And so let me ask you again. With so many voices we hear, so many opinions and advice that we hear, who do you listen to? Well, we listen to God. His word is both supreme and sufficient. It's a helpful way of understanding the word of God. Supreme and sufficient. Two very important words when it comes to understanding the word of God. And when we understand the word of God this way, it will give us the confidence, the boldness, the reassurance we need about salvation and life. It is what nourishes us and keeps us going, living as disciples of Jesus. It is the daily food we need to be nourished, to stand strong and firm in a world that will always be against God. How can you stand firm? You get nourished and strength from what God teaches. It is the strength we need to persevere through all of life's trials and struggles. It is the unshakable truth in a sea of lies we hear all the time. It is the words of eternal life. And of course, it is to be the heartbeat of our church. And we can stake our lives on what God has to say. It is supreme and it is sufficient. It is supreme. First, let's reflect on that. It is supreme because there is no higher authority in heaven or on earth, in history or the future, because the word of God carries with it the authority of God. What God says is what God says. And so it carries the authority of God. It's a bit like, in a tiny way, in my household, what I say carries my authority. And so when I tell my kids, go clean your bedroom, clean up the mess. And you know what they often say? Why? And do you know what answer I give them? Because I'm your father. And I have that type of... I don't say that, but I, I say I am your father, but it's because I'm your father I have that type of authority. But of course he is not just in the household, but he's over all of life. Here we have the word of God, and it carries the authority of God. Therefore it is supreme, the highest authority. We submit ourselves to it. And so what does that mean? Well, if there are parts of Scripture that just doesn't make sense to my rational mind, my scientific mind, I used to be an engineer, so I've got a, a logical way of thinking things, and some things it just really doesn't make sense. I don't know how miracles can happen. don't know how the dead can come back to life. don't really understand completely, but God's design for marriage, it's, it's clear. One man, one woman. A lot of things don't really always make sense, but if God's word is supreme, the highest authority, then do I stake my life on my mind, my brain, which is pretty small, compared to what God says. Well, I stake my life on what God says. Or if in the Bible I read that God loves me and cherishes me and he would even sacrifice his own son for me, 
But I'm in a season of life where I don't really feel it. I'm in a dark season of life where it's hard to feel close to God. I don't feel the love of God. Well, if God's word is supreme, do I stake my life on what I feel, which is always going up and down? Or do I stake my life on what God says, and that is, I'll never forsake you, and I'll love you even if you don't feel it. He never stops loving me. Well, I stake my life on what God says, not my feelings. Or if God says, your identity, your worth, your value is because you were made in my image and you were made to belong to me as my child, adopted into my family. And I just live my life not feeling that way. I, I, I read it in scripture. I don't feel like I belong anywhere. I sometimes feel a bit isolated or worthless or unwanted. But if God's word is supreme, do I stake my life on what God says or what I feel? Well, I stake my life on what God says. I remain a child of God. Even if I don't feel like I belong, I do. Or if God says, even in this difficult situation you're going through, though you feel like there's a thorn in your flesh, and though life feels unbearable, God says it's not without meaning. There is a purpose, even though you are in tears and sorrow, there is a purpose in all of that, because it's refining your faith, producing in you a Christ-likeness of character. That's what God says. Uh, but I don't feel that way. It feels like God has forsaken me and left me here to suffer. But if God's word is supreme... Do I stake my life on my situation, on my circumstances, or on what God has said? Well, I stake my life on what God has said. He has never forsaken me. You see, the word of God is supreme, so important for all Christians to remember. The highest authority. It is why elders, those who lead our church, one of their key responsibilities is that they are to teach the word of God. Why is that? It's because their authority lies not in the status or the position they hold, but as they teach God's word and exercise authority in teaching what God has to say. That is where their authority lies. It lies ultimately with God. But we also see the word of God is sufficient. It is sufficient. It is all we need for salvation and life. And so if anyone says... You need more than what the Bible tells you to be saved. You need more than the Bible to tell you how to live. You need, for example, the Book of Mormons. You need a new revelation so that you can know of heaven and go to heaven. God says, no, you don't. The Bible is sufficient. It is all you need. Yesterday, an elder told me about a South African preacher who calls himself a prophet. And he teaches, you'll be blessed more if you buy this anointing oil from me. He's a multimillionaire. God says, no, you won't. You won't be blessed anymore. The Bible is sufficient. In Christ, you have all the blessings already. Or if someone teaches, you need some special sign, some extra sign from God to work out what his will is for you. You need to hear his, his voice. 
You need to wait for special promptings. God says, no, you don't. The Bible is sufficient. The Word of God is there and it contains within it the wisdom of God for us to live. So you see, the Word of God is sufficient. It is also supreme. And we can have absolute confidence and boldness in that. If you understand that, there's really nothing to lose. It's why an English reformer, William Tyndale, he was martyred because he translated scripture. He wanted the word to go out. Here is the highest authority. And so my question to you again, who do you listen to? Each day as you go to work, who do you listen to? Each struggle that overwhelms you, who do you listen to? Each bereavement that brings you sorrow, who do you listen to? Each blessing you experience, who do you listen to? Each longing for transcendence, who do you listen to? Well, we listen to God. Not the words of men or women, but to God. And we stake our lives on what God has to say for salvation and for life. Let's pray.